0: Talk RADIO
1: Hey there everyone, this is Danny Myers from Cosmic Crash and you're listening to the Lena Jones Morning Sparkle.
0: Thank you Cosmic. Good morning everyone. How's everybody doing on this beautiful, beautiful, sunny, another hot day but let's not complain because we know what's coming, right, winter. So let's just sit back and think about this day, these days that we are having this heat, this, this incredibly delightful heat because uh, Old Man winter's is right around the corner. Welcome to the LJ Morning Sparkle. I know I was gone last week. Uh, I'm going to take a break in between the different books um, because sometime I have to kind of meditate on what books to meditate and pray on what books to to talk about next. Um, sometimes they just come to me automatically and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just, you know, kind of stuck there and I need some time. But um, I'm glad that you, I'm happy that you guys joined me this morning. Um, like I say, hey, I'm not a preacher, not ordained. This is just my interpretation. Uh, the Bible is open for instruction and interpretation uh this is just mine as long as I don't change that content in the Bible, the interpretation is pretty much open to myself and at the end of the day, for um all those judgmental people out there, I'm the one that has to stand account for this. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their way, and some people may not agree with my way but you really don't have to listen. You really don't. <laughs> but those of you who are I am so glad that you do listen because someone else gets the chance to hear things the way the way I see them. And it might be someone out there that sees them the same way or looking for a type of interpretation that will help them understand the Bible a little bit more. And if they understand, it draws them closer. And if it draws them closer, then there's a possibility that they will be saved and believe that Jesus is who he says he is and have a chance at salvation. As long as we wake up every morning, remember that you have a chance for salvation. And don't let anyone tell you different. It doesn't even matter. Okay, now today I'm starting my interpretation from the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is a special book to me because I know someone very close to me named uh, Nehemiah. And, you know, my mom had told me one time, a long time ago, be careful of the names, especially if you're choosing biblical names to give your kids. Uh, Be careful of the names, uh, especially if you don't read the scripture and you don't know the type of person or character that they were in the Bible. You never, sometimes you can name, your name can set the character of 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 the child. And uh, you definitely don't want to give them any bad names. And I remember when she had said something like that to me. And you know, the first thing I thought of, because our minds, you know, go to something bad before it goes to something good, most people, some people, it goes to good automatically. Sometimes minds do, sometimes it don't. It programs right to the bad stuff. So when I um when she had told me that I thought about Delilah. <laughs> and uh do I have anybody? Do I know anyone like that? And it was like Delilah was the hell. <laughs> right? So just be careful. Just be careful of the names that you give your children. Um, and biblical uh, from the Bible, make sure that you read about it and you know about it, and you're giving them something strong, something that can help build their character, something that you can talk about um, who that person was. Whenever your your child, your your son, or your daughter, you feel them getting weak, let them remind them of their name. So Nehemiah is a pretty heartfelt. He's a, a heartfelt character. A, um, of his life is in the Bible. Now, the last one we talked to, we talked about um, Esther. Now, now for me, the book of Esther was about believing in yourself, having faith to know that God can work it out, even when it seems impossible. The book of Esther inspired me to believe in myself and not be afraid of who I am, no matter what nationality or stature it doesn't matter. In God's eyes, we all we're all one. In God's eyes, it makes no difference. As long as you believe that He is, He will fight for you. He is our Superman. Remember the red cape. <laughs> um, the Book of Nehemiah, for me, is a book of hope. It's a book of hope. It's a book of faith. It's a book of um. Uh, love for your community, for the people that dwell in your community. Um, something um, something could be lacking in your community, but it's all about love for it. Love for a broken people and oppressed. Oppressed people because of their own selfishness and disobedience. That's where Nehemiah is in the beginning of this story, I'm just pretty much setting the stage. That's where uh, Nehemiah is in the beginning of the story. The people, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, mainly the tribe of Judah, is um, is depressed. They are. They're they're depressed. They're oppressed. What was left of them? So see what where where Nehemiah comes in. Excuse me. Is Remember in Esther when uh, we when I had talked about how the Babylonians came and captured and made uh, the Israelites captive, and then Persia came in and and overcame the Babylonians. So then they had the Jewish people. So when Nehemiah takes place, Nehemiah is taking place out of what was left, the remnants that were left in uh, um, Jerusalem. Uh, what was left after the invasion, you know, the the people were broken, some of them escaped, some of them were held captive, the city was torn up, the walls were broken, the tribe of Judah had built a wall, and the wall was broken, the wall was to protect themselves, you know, to keep uh, (laughs) outsiders from coming in, kind of what Trump wanted to do. So that's what the the wall was for. And so they're in uh they're they're oppressed right now now people say uh and one of the main reasons they're oppressed is because of their selfishness and disobedience. they were selfish and disobedient, and uh that just didn't wasn't working for god it it wasn't working for him, they kinda did their own thing, <laughs> you know, so that made them oppressed you know people say I've heard. Many say that, oh, the black people, African Americans, are broken because of oppression. But from what I see in today's society, there's a lot of non-broken black folks. It is. They're walking around here. The kids got on Jordans. they driving Mercedes. They're doing so good today. Today's African Americans are in a position that our ancestors prayed for. They prayed. They slaved on their backs, and they prayed for this day to see African Americans in the position that we are in. Um, some of them never thought they'd see it. They just prayed for it. Some of them saw the uh the new land coming all the changes coming Martin Luther King was one that saw the change coming he said he may not be here to see it but he knew it was coming and this is the day that a lot of the older black generation has fought for the black people so we're not really as oppressed as most people say but um, I just wanted <laughs> to point that out that these people were were seriously oppressed and that it's not the first time that the Jewish people have been oppressed the chosen ones um, but this is—it's not about African Americans. Nehemiah is about all races and nationalities that lived in a certain community or a certain city that you grew up in. And uh, and today you see the city is broken. Now Nehemiah originally was from uh, uh, Babylon. No, he wasn't originally. He was from Jerusalem. Excuse me. <laughs> he was from Jerusalem. Um, but he grew up He where he lived in Babylon, but his hometown was Jerusalem. That's what I was saying. He lived in uh, Babylon, but his hometown was Jerusalem. And, and just like your hometown, um, you can see your own communities broken, uh, oppressed, just from the people that live in it not so much from circumstances. Sometimes we tend to put circumstances as to why this is happening or this looks like that. And that's not necessarily so. It's just the people. People move into certain communities and they don't take care of it. This is my modern day, Nehemiah. Okay, Nehemiah was a, He was heartfelt. He he felt for for the people that he grew up in his hometown. He didn't like the idea that his hometown was uh, in shambles. That the people uh, were were they were pretty much ruined, their pride was ruined, everything about them was ruined. This was his hometown so that he felt something. How many times have you went into back to your hometown or if you live in your hometown, you see the things that are around you that that makes you sad and wish you could do something about it. This is this is a modern day Nehemiah. Sometimes we have communities from uh, from drugs, from alcohol. It could be from bad people who moved in the neighborhood that just don't care. You know, they don't care and their kids don't care. I'm quite sure you've seen people like that. Sometimes folks just don't care about anything. And because a lot of times it's because their parents didn't care. They wasn't raised right, so they they don't care. So that's pretty much setting the stage for my interpretation of Nehemiah um, in modern day is communities, uh unities, uh, uh brokenness and that we see all around us. Now from, from instruction. Now the Bible it doesn't specify what tribe Nehemiah is from. Um, it just specifies that he had a heart for the Jewish people, especially the uh tribe of Judah. He sees them as broken. He sees their cities in distress. He sees people have no, have taken has been taken into captivity by the Babylonians, um, which I just told you about um, right there. So now this is taking place in uh, Persia, the same place where the book of uh, Esther took place, In except for we are living uh, another king. This is another king. So, on that note, I'm going to go to a song about unity. We're talking about unity and uh, brokenness, uh, you know, of uh, people that are oppressed and convicted from their own doings, <laughs> not from uh, not from anyone else. And you have this this man, Nehemiah, that wants to do something. Now, you see things in your community. Do you want to do something about it? We're going to talk, talk about the interpretation. Hopefully, it gives us strength, not just you, but for myself to get out and do something for our community. Here's Matthew West with his song, Do Something.
1: I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble. Now I thought, how do we ever get so far down and was it ever gonna turn around, so I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my
0: Was uh, who was that that I just played? Do something with uh, Matthew West, um, just to set. I'm still kind of setting stage to get into the uh, Book of Nehemiah. I'm I'm pretty much predicting that we're probably going to be here for the next two weeks or something like that. Okay, um, okay. Now, still setting the stage about in, in my comparison between today today's and uh, biblical thing, uh, biblical times. Um, now, um, we had left off when we were saying about how uh, Nehemiah, it doesn't specify a, a tribe that Nehemiah was from. It just specify a heart that he had to do something about his hometown, uh, his community and his people that he grew up with, and he saw them uh, falling apart. Now, when I talk about the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they are the chosen people who God said that he would give them a land. He promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, and he also promised that he would multiply them like grains of sand. The Old Testament is pretty much a book that lets us see how a, a people can blow it, I mean, I mean, real talk, that that's it how how people can blow it uh and 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 mess up your blessing, mess up not just your blessing but the blessing for your whole people and the blessing for your whole community just by being uh disobedient. Okay? Because the Jewish people were disobedient, God allowed the Bab- the Babylonians to captivate them. Um he They kept blowing it. They kept making God angry for the most part uh, um, during that time because, see, during the Old Testament, God was no joke. A lot of us tend to think that we our existence, we could just do whatever it is we want to do, and, um, you know, we can turn to Jesus. Yes, we can turn to Jesus for for grace, for saving grace, but during this time, there was no Jesus. There was no jesus uh he and he was no joke. you didn't listen to him, either you obeyed or you suffered period that was it. that was God in a nutshell the the the, the lamb haven't came yet, the light wasn't wasn't here um so they had uh uh mediators they were chosen men uh Uh, sometimes prophets, sometimes not, whoever he chose, whoever he wanted to choose, that was allowed to speak directly to him. But today we have Jesus Christ. We can speak through Jesus and talk directly to God and ask for grace for some of the things that a lot of the things that we do. And so because of, of disobedience and sin, and uh they did not keep they also didn't keep the commandment that Moses had set out, the commandments they wasn't keeping them, and he said to them in Nehemiah one eight, He says, Remember, I pray the word that you recommended your service, Moses saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Faithful, and you don't keep my uh my commandments, um, that he would scatter them among the nation. And that's what he did. He let, he allow the Babylonians to come in and take captive over his people because they were disobedient. Now, um, in today's, and the thing about God, you don't mess with him. He's sovereign. He's all power. He is everything. He is earth, wind, and fire. That's God. And he has control over those things. And even though we may not think so, he has control over us, even though we go and do what we want to do, he's still and he's still in control. I don't care what the politician, the government says God is always in control. It's him that created all this. He is our creator. man still can't tell us how a baby is made. The big bang theory he, scientists they can't still they can't it's still nobody knows nobody but God because he did that. Now in today's society we don't even um we have folks that don't keep government rules, political rules, let alone we got some people that don't even want to see the Ten Commandments on public display. They don't want to see that. They don't want to live by rules. We just kinda of living in a wild wild west doing what we wanna do uh because we feel like doing it. And and I even say that for times for myself it's times that I do what I want to do because I feel like doing it. But it's not am I am am I living right? Am I am I breaking any laws? Am I obeying God's will? Am I living um living um by keeping his Ten Commandments in, in mind with my everyday life? To me what God asks is not it's not hard. Even though I fall short, it's still not hard, but in today's society, we do what we want to do. We don't want to do it another person's way um, regardless of uh, laws, government, government laws, spiritual laws that we break it. we we've done it I've seen neighborhood destroyed by doing it our way because people do what they want to do if someone wants to carry a gun, hey he do it because he feels like it. If they want to shoot up some folks, hey, <laughs> they do it because they feel like it, regardless of the law. Even the law enforcement officers do whatever they want to do without care or law for their guidelines, and they have specific oaths and things that they take going in. You know, if we look at the black-on-black crimes, or, or um, um, I mean, cops-on-black crimes, there are black-on-black crimes, <laughs> Uh Cops with Latinos or any other minority race that they should be following an oath that they took, and they don't. Women go around half-naked. Okay, I do, I do it because I want to do it. It's my body, and I want to do it. But there's no laws. Because we live in a society that's a wild, wild west, no one is regarding the law of a woman's body. So if a man sees a woman walking around half naked, I mean, I just don't understand that concept. I really don't. I understand the Me Too rules, but I think that there should be some type of boundaries. I think that if, you, if you're going to walk around naked, I'm not saying no one deserves to get raped. No one has the right to force anything upon you that you don't want to do, but you also have to, you can't. Expect a society to keep overlooking the fact that you're walking around here with your breast out. Are you walking around here with your butt out? Who do you think is looking at that you 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 wear it because you want men to look at you that's how that's why you wear it. you know and then when a man does the wrong thing, we want to holler rape. So we all do what we want to do if we want to throw garbage out in the street we do we do it There's no respect. They don't need to, they don't respect old people. They don't, uh, they don't, they don't do anything like that. We live in this ball of destruction and ball of confusion, like the Temptations had a song out years ago about that. This is what, this is the society that we live in today. And pretty much it's very similar to what the uh, Jewish people were doing in Jerusalem, they wasn't living by God's laws or commandments. They did their own, and as a result, this is what happened. They were captivated, and their city was destroyed. As a result, for us doing our own thing, uh, our communities are horrible. We have murder. There's rape. Uh, there's uh, all types of things, and then and then there's garbage. I have literally seen been waiting for a red light and seeing people throw garbage out the window. I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Um, So I've been, and it doesn't matter. It's not just a a, a black community. I've been in predominantly white communities, and there's a section of people that just don't care because it's tore up. I've been through Hispanic Asian communities. And there's a neighborhood that's tore up because the people just don't care. And it could be your neighborhood. It could be where you grew up. As a result of not caring, other entities are able to move in and take over. And this is what happened with uh, uh, the Jews. Babylonian was able to come in and take captivity. They figured that they could do whatever they want to. and, And when they called on God, God would come out and help them. Because God that's what uh that's uh what uh God had been doing. In some ways, I mean they were spoiled. Really. Because they would have that one particular person go in there that that uh um I don't remember <laughs> would go to pray to God for them and they would conquer a lot of different things. So that's um uh, <laughs> that's what uh what they were used to. And they didn't care, but they still doing what they want to do. And that's where we are. We do what we want to do. Our communities are going bad because of it. Uh, We try to – that pretty much sets my stage uh, for what's going on. And with us, we vote for politicians, but as soon as they get in the office, they don't care anymore. They don't care. The bottom line is it's all about the money, the name, and the fame more so than the people. So that's what's going on in Jerusalem. Okay, Uh, Judah is in ruins. They built a wall, but that didn't help. Uh, But the people were corrupt and was given over to captivity. See, the community that I live in, when I moved here, it was really nice I'm not saying it's not nice now but I see certain things like I when I would drive up and down the street I didn't see garbage on the ground now I see so much garbage I see so much garbage on the ground um, everywhere this it, thrown on the side I see cups I see you know fast food things little garbage bags containers and uh before where you the lawn would be manicured and the gardener would at least uh sweep up or blow the grass now it's just left in lumps the street on the street by the curb it's just different and it's because of a different because people that move into the neighborhood there's it's become A lot populated, a lot more crowded, a lot of people are moving into the neighborhood. And some of these people that's moving in a neighborhood don't care about your neighborhood. They don't care if they throw the garbage out in the street. They don't care if their kids throw the garbage out in the street. So you ever went to a Walmart, a nice small Walmart that they built, beautiful building, nice, clean, and neat, and then you – couple of months later, and sometimes it don't even have to be a couple of months later, you see garbage everywhere. You ever got out of your car and saw somebody's diaper in the middle of the, the, the concrete? It's disgusting. This is part of things to tear down our community. Now, I'm, I'm just talking about our community now. Uh, Jerusalem had their community and they were tore up because of disobedience. These are things that are happening in our community because the people don't listen, they do what they want to do. they have no they have no regards for laws and and, and um and and government and things of that sort. The people of Judah had no concerned for the for the promise, for the promise. They figured the promise was going to be the promise. They could do whatever they wanted to do. They had no regard. They disobeyed God. They disobeyed the commandments. We in today's society disobey God and commandments and laws. And this is what brings our community down. And I live in a decent uh, community. now Now, God promised them a land of milk and honey just like you promised yourself that you were going to move to a better neighborhood for your kid. If you move to a better neighborhood for your kid, if you come into a neighborhood and say, oh, this is so nice, you know, I want to move here. And you move here, but you don't teach your kids not to throw things out the window. They see you doing it. They see you not caring. They see you garbage. So why did you even move into the neighborhood? Why move here if you're not going to, listen to any, obey any uh, guidelines or or, or have any respect for the neighborhood because things like that is the beginning of the end. it tears your neighborhood down. Mm -hmm. So they're scattered now. They're scattered now. He promised them a land and milk and honey. You promised yourself that you would move to a better neighborhood. And now that you're in the neighborhood, you're not trying to keep it clean. You're just doing what you want to do, just doing what you want to do and everyone else, and eventually it's going to be damaged and tore up. That's what happens. Now, here comes Nehemiah, and I'm going to get to him after I play another song. Mm-hmm. And this song I'm going to play is Speak Life because he sees this by Toby Mac.
1: Feels perfect, other days just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. So it's crazy, amazing. We can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak
0: Life by Toby Mac. We can speak life into our communities. We can speak life into our situations. We can speak life into ourselves to help us be better people. So now here comes Nehemiah who holds the city dear to his heart and not liking what he sees happening in his hometown. He is king, taxes of Persia. He's a cupbearer. Nehemiah's in a good place. In those days, the cup play, the cupbearer is was seen as a high position. The cupbearer had access to the throne. It was a position of great responsibility, influence, because the cupbearer had to be someone that the king trusted. okay How many people would you trust to hold your cup? How many people would you trust to give you a drink every time? There ain't too many people that I would trust. So, so if the king, if the king, if someone's gonna poison the king, the cupbearer is gonna drink it first. He's gonna be the one poisoned before he's gonna die before the king died. So that was a very, very close position. It's kind of like a vice president to be president. It has to be someone that you trust. And Nehemiah was a chosen one. He was chosen as the cupbearer. He's in a position of, of, of politics. He's in a position where he can um, do something. In today's society, he would be considered in a civil position, a, a good position, good job, you know, where he got in uh, influence. In today's modern world, he would be a politician or a community advocate. I would say activists, but sometimes the activists don't do the right thing. Um, he wants to do things, to, to, uh, uh, a person who wants to do things to help empower the community, help build back up their community. That's what Nehemiah would be in today's uh, society. And he doesn't really have to be a politician. It doesn't really have to be a politician because I'm not one and saying, oh, everything could be done through politics. It could be someone, it could be the, the mayor's son. It could be the mayor's grandson, someone in a position to influence, to make a difference, to, to, to try and make change. Uh, it could be a relative or person. You just have to be in a high place um, where you can do things and try to get the support of your community to go along um, with it. So it just doesn't have to be uh, politics. Now, politicians are in a good place because they can help do something. They can do more than just take pictures and put their selfies out on social media. They can do more than just talk. Some people are good talkers and no action behind them. They talk enough to get get in office and they get in office and they get laxed and don't really do anything for the people or the community. So Nehemiah has to get ready to pray. He's going to pray before he does anything. And just like when we heard in the book of Esther, she had the people pray before she made any moves. You, you have to pray before making a move of any type, even as far as moving it to a community. You should pray for it. You should pray on it. You should pray on it. And wait to hear from God. And sometimes we don't wait, sometimes we're impatient, I know, because I am a tendency to be <laughs> impatient too. But when I leap into things, when I leap into stuff after I pray for it, I find that it's always not the best move. So I'm, I'm praying for patience, patience to, you know, to let things just uh, take take its own place and uh not be so rushful. Now there's a couple of things that Nehemiah has to keep in mind in his prayer when he's praying to God. First of all, now I'm reading this from, from um the book of uh Nehemiah. Okay. Now Nehemiah, he's gonna begin his prayer by identifying God as both awe-inspiring and faithful, okay? Note how these two aspects of God's character complement one another. See, he knows what he's doing. He's a smart man. God is both frightening and dependable. Nehemiah goes on to state that God is approachable as well. Some of us, and during that time, they was afraid of God. They were afraid to approach God, uh, of because of fear. So Nehemiah is 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 starting is going into his prayer with all of these things in mind, um, uh, letting him know that he knows he's inspiring and faithful, um, and he's both frightening and dependable, and he's. Approaching him as though he is an approachable God, and letting God know that, hey, you are approachable. This is my prayer. So, also at the same time, Nehemiah he doesn't he doesn't point fingers. Um, at others, but he instead he identifies he identifies with the broken. He don't say, oh, because of this one, that one, and the other. This is what's happening to what's happened to my city or what's happened to my hometown. He doesn't point fingers. He just identifies with the people. It's, he's, he's heartfelt. Um, the offenses that had been committed in violation of the revelation of God's law received through Moses. Um, These verses correspond with Deuteronomy, uh, the laws that God had originally set in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapters 31 through 10, if you want to check it out and read it, tells you about the laws that, uh, some of the laws that God had made for them when he had brought them into um, the the land, the land. Parted land when he took them away from Pharaoh. <laughs> okay, uh, Nehemiah uses the word redeemed, the verb redeemed. Most likely he's re- referring to the redemption from Egypt and the resulting covenant to redemption from Babylon after the exile. Look at what you've done for them. Do you mean all? That you do go for nothing, so he's reminding God that this is what this is how far that you've look at all you've done. From you've taken them out of Egypt, you've did all this, and have you done all this for nothing? So he's he's he needs to ask his King for a favor, okay? And he's setting the stage. So he's praying on this. Remember what Esther set the stage. He's praying on this before he approaches the king because he needs God to bless him right now. This is the prayer that uh Nehemiah said to God, okay now I'm reading this from chapter five, chapter one, verse five. Uh, Let's start with verse 4. So it was when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, covenant and mercy with those who love, who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive. And your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded, your servant Moses. Remember, I prayed the word that you commanded, your your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the furthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there. And bring them to the place which I have chosen as, as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants, prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray. And I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. That was the prayer that Nehemiah had prayed before he went in and confronted um, the king. Uh, to ask him for this giant favor to help him fix fix his broken community, his broken hometown. And if anything you want to fix, if you see your hometown broken, pray, pray. He needs God's approval. He's he and he's not the only one praying. There's a network of people in in Jerusalem that's still praying. There are some that not everyone was disobedient, but the vast majority of them was, but not everyone one was. So there's a network of community prayer that needs, prayer needs to start in the community, prayers and actions. And if you're not going, if you can't, um, if you can't participate, at least pray with your community, pray for your community Now he's praying because he needs to ask a favor. A lot of us we need to pray because we're getting ready to go in to ask maybe the government for some a favor. Maybe we're going to start a a rally to help clean up your neighborhoods. To something to help bring awareness to your neighborhood. Someone has to start somewhere to bring the people together and to unite you know, to to bring them to unity, and that's what uh, Nehemiah was doing. Now, we're going to talk about uh, what happens after Nehemiah prayer. Feel free to read it, uh, the book of Nehemiah, but we're going to talk about what happens after his prayer on next week. Because if I go into it, I'm gonna run out of time and all of that, all of that good stuff. So, um, and and uh, my notes are pretty much in here. <laughs> so be, feel free to go in and read it and come up with your own interpretation. Uh, it's it's open to me. It's all about unity, community, and teamwork. It, it, all of that is all over the Book of Nehemiah. It's about improving your community and keeping what the improvements that's already there. If you moved into someplace beautiful, keep it beautiful. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with wanting to live in a nice place. If you made a promise to to move your family someplace better and you go into a community that's better, don't throw garbage. Don't 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 just do anything that you want to do. You know, go and shooting people. You know, please try to obey the laws. You know, at least <laughs> I live in a, a place where we have a homeowners community, which I still don't understand the purpose of a homeowners thing. I mean, the only good thing that a home can do to my what i can see is that they can stop the house next door from painting something completely purple <laughs> because they want to stand out in the neighborhood <laughs> and have 50 million cars all parked out and someone working on a car in the uh side uh driveway or something like that those are what um um homeowners associations should do, but they don't really do much. You pay into it and you still can't get uh, the snowplow to come through your street. At least here in Virginia, you can't. My my people who live in a the city, they got the snowplows come through. Here in Virginia, if we get stuck, we're stuck. They don't come and they don't plow the um, the individual streets. But I feel that if you pay into a homeowners association, they should be able to at least have the money to pay a private a uh, snow plowing truck or whatever to come in and plow the streets. That's just me. So you have to have something that was that's worth fighting for. You have to have something in your in within your people, within your community. There has to be something worth fighting for. And his Brian Courtney um, that can say it a lot better than I can.
1: You met me deep in my despair to show me you would never leave me there. You claim. Because the calling on my life is worth fighting for, and I'll keep my mind stayed on duty. Because the peace it brings is worth fighting for, and I'll be faithful to my wife and children. Because my family is worth fighting for. World is not my home, but your kingdom here is what I
0: such a beautiful song. I don't know who I'm talking to today. There's something going on within your community. There's something going on within your hometown. There's a broken people that you see out there around you that you grew up with. There's something you can do, someone you can pray for, thing that's worth fighting for. If you moved into a neighborhood that's beautiful, keep it that way. Help keep it that way. There has to be something worth fighting for in this big ball of confusion or we're all just going to go down. It's not, it has to be more than just about I and self. Please pray for your communities. Pray, pray for unity in our, in our people, in our politicians. Thank you for listening. This is Lena Jones. Please join me Thursday night for In the Cut with Jay. I have to go. Have a blessed day, everyone. I love you. Bye.